College students have always had abortion legal as birth control, but are now confronted with abortion as murder. Most young people have never heard the arguments why abortion should be illegal. This is Bob Boyd. And Jerry Boyd. This is Issues in Education. Young people have been raised without absolute moral values, raised without a belief in a creator, only evolution. Raised to believe truth is relative. Your choice is as good as mine. There are no absolutes, and they're absolutely sure about it, and that's their only absolute. Most young people believe pro-life views are against the freedom of a woman's choice. So when college students are confronted with a pro-life speaker like popular radio host Ben Shapiro, they are very puzzled and perplexed. Ben Shapiro is a syndicated columnist and author of 11 books. He's the host of the Ben Shapiro Radio Show. He graduated from Harvard Law School, cum laude, worked as a legal consultant, and he plays a violin. Ben Shapiro speaks at college campuses, and he was scheduled to speak at UCLA, but student protesters formed a human chain to block the doors to the event in protest of his speech entitled, When Diversity Becomes a Problem. So much for university diversity. Later, when Shapiro began his speech, a protester pulled the fire alarm. Then Shapiro was escorted out by campus police. So much for freedom of speech on today's university campuses. They're so close to conservative speech. Here's a college student asking Ben Shapiro why a fetus, or we'd call it a baby, why it has moral value in his first trimester of life. Ben Shapiro tries to show how human life at any age has value. And the college student says value is determined for him only if it's sentient, that is, having consciousness or being responsive. Why exactly do you think a first trimester fetus has moral value? Okay. Okay, so a first trimester fetus has moral value because whether you consider it a potential human life or a full-on human life, it has more value than just a cluster of cells. If left to its natural processes, it will grow into a baby. So the real question is, where do you draw the line? So you can draw the line at the heartbeat because it's very hard to draw the line at the heartbeat. There are people who are adults who are alive because of a pacemaker and they need some sort of outside force generating their heartbeat. Okay, are you going to do it based on brain function? Okay, well, what about people who are in a coma? Should we just kill them? Right? The problem is anytime you draw any line other than the inception of the child, you end up drawing a false line that can also be applied to people who are adults. So either human life has intrinsic value or it doesn't. I think we both agree that adult human life has intrinsic value. Can we start from that premise? I believe that sentience is what gives something moral value. So when you're asleep, can I stab you? I'm still considered sentient when I'm asleep. Okay, if you are in a coma from which you may awake, can I stab you? Well, then, no. Yes, no. I mean, like, well, I'm glad you answered that because I have no interest in actually that, murdering that's, you. But that's still potential sentience and it's still a potential... Like, I agree, like, it is potential be sentience. You know what okay. else is potential sentience? Being right. a fetus. Yeah. Ben Shapiro makes an excellent point that an unborn baby is fully human. He challenges the college student by asking him where he would draw the line for being human. Is it the heart beating? Because some people don't have a natural heartbeat, but use a pacemaker. Or is it brainwaves? How about people who are in a coma? Are they to be defined out of being acceptable human life? Ben Shapiro challenges the student's definition of life as being sentient or being conscious. So when you're asleep, are you still human? Of course. Another student says she didn't think she could have an abortion, but she infers that it's okay for other people to kill their unborn child. That's like saying, I wouldn't kill anybody, but I wouldn't stop someone else from doing what they choose to do. 
I personally don't think that I could have an abortion just because morally I feel like for myself it wouldn't be the right choice. But how do you defend your opinion as a white, well-off, religious man telling a woman what she can do with because her Because evil things are still evil even if I'm a white, well-off, religious man. This is one of these identity politics points that I really think it's quite terrible. The reason being that the people who were fighting against enslavement of black people were a bunch of well-off white men for the most part. Right? And those people were saying, this is a moral sin. This is a moral blot. They weren't living in the South. They didn't own plantations. They didn't live the lives of the plantation owners. They said, this is evil, and we are here to stop it. Right? When you see something that you think is morally wrong happening, especially when you're talking about the taking of a human life, my identity has nothing to do with what is right or wrong. That, yes, I'm not a woman in the healthcare field, but you and I can have a conversation about what's right and wrong because this is the nature of human reason, and that I don't retreat into my identity. If we can all retreat into our identity, and our morality is now centered around that identity, morality doesn't exist at all. We break down into a society of fragmented atoms where I can't even say, like, you're torturing a puppy in your backyard. I have nothing to say about that. I'm not a white woman who's in the healthcare field. I'm not going to do that. I, don't, I, don't, I, I refuse to surrender the idea that I can have a moral stance on issues that are of concern to society and of concern to the, to the well-being of the United States simply because of the color of my skin or the nature of my genitalia. Honestly, I believe any view that feels differently is sexist, racist, and bigoted. Ben Shapiro says that white religious people do have a legitimate valid reason for objecting to slavery, even though they weren't slave owners, just as a man has a valid reason for objecting to killing babies, regardless of whether he's male or white or religious or anything else. Another student asks if making abortion illegal would deter people from killing their unborn children. When the illegal activity that's left is very, very dangerous, do you think that's a good argument or not a good argument? Yes. Let's say that you make abortion illegal and there are a million abortions a year in the United States. And let's say there are still 50,000 illegal abortions in the United States. But all the rest go to term. Because it's going to be hard to actually get an abortion if it's made illegal. Let's say there's still 50,000. You just saved 950,000 lives. That is a massive net win, obviously. Laws making abortion illegal does deter thousands of abortions because society determines what it will allow. Saving hundreds of thousands of babies is good for our society. So yes, laws against abortion saves lives. One student compares abortion, which is killing people, to gun violence, which also kills people. You can see how well the left has indoctrinated these naive college students. That's for sure. He has no idea the difference between right and wrong. You support government intervention to make abortion illegal, which is designed to kill someone, and yet you can stand up here and say you don't want government intervention for guns, which are also designed to kill people. Because guns are not designed to kill children. Guns are designed to kill bad guys if operated by a proper person. There's not an abortion in the world that doesn't end with the death of a baby. So I I have no problem with looking at the pictures of gun violence victims, horrific and deeply disturbing and very upsetting. But it is impossible to look at a picture of an aborted baby and say this was disconnected from the act that I approve. Because the act is the killing of the baby. There's no policy that I approve of that ends with the murder of children. There is a policy that is designed for the murder of children, which is what abortion is. You said that once the cells come together, you said those are considered people, which I can understand. I can get no, I said that's that. considered a human life. A human life, right. Yes. Why is this human life being killed and another human life being killed by gun violence? Why is that any different? It's not a matter of the, the value of the human life being different. My point is that the act that connects to the killing of the children is not connected to my position on guns. The act that connects to the killing of unborn babies is connected to the legalization of abortion. The reason that I want 
people to be able to exercise their Second Amendment rights is to shoot like the people who go into like the people who go into schools and shoot up children. I have two kids. They both go to a Jewish school, which means they are on the target list for somebody out there. Jewish schools are disproportionately targeted. Unfortunately, in 1999, there was a white supremacist who drove by our Jewish day school, saw an armed guard outside, proceeded to drive away, went to the West Valley JCC, and shot up the West Valley JCC. The reason that I'm in favor of gun rights is because I want that armed guard outside carrying the gun to dissuade people from going inside the school and shooting the kid. The question of, of rape and incest, first of all, important to note, rape and incest are not only a vast minority of abortion cases, they're an extraordinarily low percentage of abortion cases. So if we can first stipulate that all the other abortions are bad, then we can talk about that other one. Can we do that? So it's an excuse that we can take the marginal case and then say that the marginal case applies to all cases. That's faulty thinking. But if you want me to answer specifically on rape and incest, here is my basic answer. Rapists should be castrated or killed. You shouldn't kill babies. End of story. Well, that is a bit harsh, but Ben Shapiro is an Orthodox Jew, and the Old Testament was really harsh for disobedience. But if you believe an unborn baby is a live human being, then the question of rape and incest becomes a diversion. It is a diversion, because you wouldn't consider killing a one-year-old or a three-year-old because they're the product of rape or incest. So why consider killing someone at any age for the crime of their father? Can you imagine someone coming up to you and saying, we've done some research into your parents and found that you are the victim of rape or incest, so we're going to have to kill you. (laughs) Why kill an innocent child for the crime of his father? Rape and incest in the life of the mother are a tiny percentage of cases, while they use to justify the overwhelming cases that are just for convenience. Pastor Jeff Durbin of Apologia Church and head of End Abortion Now testified before the Colorado legislature on behalf of the bill for equal protection of unborn children. Pastor Jeff Durbin has raised up 900 churches to go to abortion mills to preach the gospel. He says there are 3,000 children slaughtered every day in this country by abortion. That is atrocious. My name is uh, Reverend Jeff Durbin. I'm the pastor of Apologia Church and the head of End Abortion Now. We've raised up about 900 local churches across the country that go to abortion mills to preach the gospel, to offer help and hope and love to mothers and fathers going in, and to even adopt the children if they'll let us. And we've saved thousands upon thousands upon thousands of children from death. Speaking on behalf of over 60 million pre-born human beings murdered since the tyranny of Roe and the thousands killed daily, upwards of 3,000 killed per day in this nation. It's an incontrovertible and irrefutable biological and biblical fact that all human beings, all life begins at conception. It's incontrovertible in science. It's a fact irrefutable, and the heads of Planned Parenthood and other organizations admit, yeah, it's fully human at conception, but we still have the right to kill children in the womb. It's a moral question, not a biological one. What's in the womb is fully human from conception. The only difference is the difference of degree, size, level of development, environment, and degree of dependence. We don't kill other human beings because they're small. We don't kill other human beings because of their level of development. I have a toddler who's two years old that I adopted who was going to be killed because he had spina bifida as a diagnosis. His mother had two abortion appointments. His name is Augustine. He is fully dependent on us, as I'm sure some of you guys know who have children running around. And we don't kill other human beings because of simply where they're located. So what is in the womb is fully human. And what's being killed in our nation is about 3,000 per day. Less than 2% of all abortions, almost 3,000 a day, less than 2% are because of rape, incest, life of the mother. The other 98% are at will because of convenience. 
Mr. Durbin, your time is up. Pastor Jeff Durbin said less than 2% of abortions are because of rape, incest, or the life of the mother. Get this, the other 98% of babies killed are for convenience. Just, it's not the right time to have a baby. I want to go to college. I'm afraid of what my parents will say. I just don't want to have this child. Even though a woman is pregnant, she decides to kill her baby because she doesn't want it. Mr. Uberoff. Uberoff. Yeah, I have a sister who's Down syndrome. During the stages of development, when they had discovered early on that my sister was going to be born with Down syndrome, she would have been developmentally, had developmental issues that would have been allowed for an abortion even early on in the early phases of the legislation here in Colorado. It would have been legal for her to, to be killed in the womb. And it was highly encouraged because uh, for a number of reasons. One, to my parents, they said things like, uh, it's going to be difficult for her. She's going to have a hard life having Down syndrome. But then they also later discovered that she had two holes in her heart. There's a high possibility that she may not even make it to full term. Uh, May I stress here, she was born with two holes in her heart, literally pumping, bleeding to death as she's being delivered. She immediately was rushed into open heart surgery, and may I add, my parents decided not to take her life and to keep her. She was immediately rushed into open heart surgery. High probability she's going to die at a very early age, which was part of the motivational factor to abort her. May I say this today, my sister is 35 years old and has lived a wonderful life as an advocate for Down syndrome children, and she has spoken multiple times at the state of California on behalf of special needs children. I'd be curious to know on abortion in the case of rape, incest, or or the health of the mother. Go ahead, Mr. Durbin. Rape, it's such a tremendous evil that even in the Bible, God's law, and that went through English common law and all through history, it's such a tremendous evil that it was something that was worthy of capital punishment. What was handed down to us was that kind of value put on a woman's life that you cannot do to someone's body whatever you please. Somebody cannot do something to another person's body against their will. So if you're against rape, you should be pro-life and an abolitionist on our side. Because what's happening in abortion is primarily the issue that makes rape such an abomination. I am doing to another person's body something against their will. But also, I do not believe that in the instance of rape that we should punish the child for the sin of the father. We should not give children capital punishment because their fathers are criminals. There are so many living amazing, thriving, beautiful human beings today that are alive that would come right here, representative, and testify to you. They are products of rape. They're grateful to God that they weren't killed. I actually had friends I grew up with that were products of incest. I don't think we should kill them. And when it comes to the issue of the life of the mother, for me as a pastor, I wanted to say this. In the last month, I've dealt with three miscarriages. One baby delivered at the hospital six months in the womb. It's such a dramatically painful situation for a mother when you talk about an instance where the life of the mother is at risk. However, the number of instances today because of medical technology where the mother's life is truly in danger is so infinitesimally small in a situation like that and it is a life-saving operation the doctors at a hospital are concerned with the preservation of life in both cases the mother and the preborn child when you go to a hospital they're trying to actually perform a life-saving operation and so when we talk about the issue of the life of the mother, I think we're once again back to the question of who says that a human life is valuable? Is it valuable in this instance, but not in this instance? Pastor Jack Hibbs of Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills, gave a powerful sermon warning how the state of California has invaded the church in legislating not just legal abortion, but actual child killing up to 28 days after a child is born. The clever author of the bill called it perinatal, meaning after the birth of a child, 
which is infanticide. Here's Jack Hibbs. Friends, we're talking about Assembly Bill 2223 that directly involves the book of Genesis, the Bible, the existence of God, and the Christian witness in the state. Politics and politicians have invaded the realm of theology. And that realm of theology that they've chosen to invade is the description, definition, and the view of a child's life. We're not talking about abortion. No, we've gone way beyond abortion. I want all of you to hear me loud and clear because the media spin is out there. The lies are flying. They're saying this is not infanticide. Conservatives have have made it up. The author of the bill, Buffy Wicks, she was offended by people who read the bill instantly concluding what the bill was, infanticide. She wound up making an amendment and using the word perinatal, that you can kill a baby after it's born, technically all the way up to 28 days. And so I was called as an expert witness, as was a physician, and we testified before the state assembly. The doctor gave truth medically. This is defined as a murder. I simply said that based on the law and based on God's law, that if this bill passes, all of you should be held liable for premeditated murder. There are some people who will say, if the child was born Down syndrome and you decide that you, after seven days, decide, I don't want to put up with that. You know, I want a perfect kid like Adolf Hitler wanted. Any defects, I don't want them. Well, let's call it a mercy killing. Jack Hibbs is right. This is Nazi thinking, that the state of California can determine who is allowed to live, taking the place of God. What's next? Kill the handicapped? Kill the old people? Euthanasia? The same mindset that killed the Jews in the Holocaust and tortured people in concentration camps is here in our nation, and they've been elected. We have now entered into the realm where we have elected people who play God. We cannot, it is impossible, biblically, for us to stay silent on this issue. Anyone who stays silent on this issue of murder... It's complicit with the act. Priest, pastor, atheist. I wanted to jump up. There was a young woman from San Francisco say, I'm an atheist. I am opposed to this bill. And she marched off and I just wanted to give her a hug. (laughs) I love immigrants who have come here to make a better life for themselves. They are more patriotic than some of us who have been born here because, listen, we've gotten soft because you have to fight for freedom. You need to register to vote. Register to vote? It is a tremendous power that we have in this nation to vote. Now, here's the big demonic thing right now is the elections are rigged. It doesn't do any good. That that was the plan to get you to that point? They have succeeded, whoever they are. I don't even pretend to know who they are. Whoever they are, they caused you in your republic that God's given you. This is a God thing. This is not a political sermon. This is stewardship we're talking about tonight. God gave you a free country. That's where you live. The book of Daniel says God has placed, and Paul echoes it in the book of Acts, God has placed every person in the country and the borders of the country in which they live for a purpose. It's not going to kill us that we get involved. But when we say things like, I'm not going to get involved because the election is rigged. So what if it's rigged? According to the Bible, the Christian has to do the right thing anyway. Christian has to do the right thing. 
But we must always stand for what is right. That's going to require perseverance into the end. That's why the Bible tells us every day we need to put on our helmet, pick up our sword, pick up the shield. So what do we do in persevering? We act righteously. Righteousness is defined in scripture as the behavior that is morally right. It is the law of God as revealed in scripture that both describes God's own character and a plumb line by which God judges human righteousness or actions. The Greek word for righteousness primarily describes conduct in relation to other people in business, legal matters, in relationships. Righteousness is contrast with wickedness, gross self-centeredness, neither reveres God nor respects man. That's what we have in Sacramento. They neither revere God or respect man When I say man, you know what I'm talking about? Mankind. That's a word for human life. They don't respect it. If they pass this bill, Jesus said, if anyone offends a child, it will, this is Jesus speaking, hello, it will be better for that person to tie a millstone around their neck. A millstone ranges anywhere from 800 to 2,000 pounds to have this tied around their neck and for them to jump into the sea. Then for them in the day of judgment... Jesus is saying, when I get done with them for having harmed a child, it would have been better for them to have just thrown themselves to the bottom of the sea. Jesus Christ said that. And we've got today churches and so-called pastors and leaders that think, say, we don't need to say anything about that. That's a political thing. You know, I got pastors telling me this. Killing a baby, that's a political thing. I cannot think of a word to describe Such a human being that would say such a thing. Clearly an atheist from San Francisco knew better. Righteousness simply means to do the right thing. Should the bill pass in those two committees, it will then go to the governor, which this is all his plan. Why? Because Gavin wants to get ahead of the possible loss of Roe v. Wade at the U.S. Supreme Court. That's why you're hearing him say... He wants to make California an abortion sanctuary state. You can come from any of the 49 states and come to California and get a free abortion. What kind of a thing human would say, you come here and we'll kill your baby for free? That's satanic. And to support that, to vote for him and anybody, I don't care if you're a Republican, if if you say, oh, that's fine. Jesus said, millstone. Be a day coming when he says he will judge. I'm a pastor. I teach the Bible. I'd much rather be in the book of Hebrews. But listen, I got to tell you, the scripture demands that every pastor be the watchman on the wall for the flock. And this, and this is one of those moments. God told Joshua over and over again, God says to him, Joshua, be strong and of good courage and do not be afraid. Joshua, Be strong and of good courage and do not be afraid. He said, for I am your God and I will be with you wherever you go. We've been listening to Pastor Jack Hibbs of Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills, California. He said that politics has invaded the church. The government has crossed the line into the realm of acting like God. The California legislature has gone beyond abortion and is illegally killing born children up to 28 days after they're born. That's infanticide. We have pastors today who would have been silent when Hitler carted away the Jews and Christians and burned them in concentration camps, but the pastors didn't want to get involved. 
But there were several brave pastors who stood up to Hitler, and one was Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who called the Nazis evil. He said, silence in the face of evil is evil. Not to protest is acceptance. Silence is complicity. Jesus told Joshua, I will be with you. And God says that to you also. He said to Joshua, do not be afraid. I am your God and I will be with you. And he will be with us wherever we go. John the Baptist was not afraid to speak truth to power. He wasn't afraid to get involved in politics. He boldly told King Herod that Herod sinned in marrying Herodias. Jesus called John the Baptist the greatest man to have ever lived. And John the Baptist was beheaded because he spoke out against evil. Moses confronted the government leaders of his day, the Pharaoh. Elijah challenged King Ahab and Jezebel. Jesus confronted the government leaders of his day, the Pharisees and the chief priest. And our American founders challenged their government leaders, Great Britain, in the Revolutionary War. Moral issues today are political issues, and God's people need to be salt and light and take back the government, take back the media and education, and win this nation back for Christ. If you would like a CD copy of today's program, please ask for number 1785, The End of Roe v. Wade, Part 2. That's number 1785, The End of Roe v. Wade, Part 2. The CD also includes last week's program, Part 1. You can order a CD copy of this program from our website. Our website is issuesineducation.org. That's issuesineducation.org. And please give us a call at 928-776-0000. That's 928-776-0000. From John 14, verse 6, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. For Issues in Education, This has been Bob and Jerry Boyd.